Live. You're listening to the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and the generous donations of Jared Williams, Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, Sean Kumar, Darren Hampton, Andy Bethel, B. Witzel, and Balaam's Blasters. Well, greetings and salutations, Gamer Nation. This is D20 Radio. This is the Order 66 Podcast, episode number 104 for this Sunday night, August the 6th, 2017. And for those of you in the chat, you have such a treat today because you can actually see us for the first time. And therefore, I'm going to welcome in my two wonderful co-hosts. First, Mr. GM Chris. That's the guy. They can see all three of us in in Ustream. This is absolutely brilliant. See, this is what happens when Dave goes back to production. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. Mr. (laughs) Phil, how are you, Chief? And what makes you so special? Uh Uh-oh. See? That's what happens when you screw up. That's what happens when Dave goes back to production. Uh, I'm all right, sir. I'm all right. I'm hanging in there and uh, enjoying the summertime and enjoying uh, one more week until I'm on vacation and winging my way to Indianapolis for Gen Con 50. <sighs> See, I had I thought I had something really cool set up to where I think it was Scott Alden had somebody that wasn't going to show up. Yeah. And I thought I was going to like be able to take their place, but the guy did will call for his badge, and I don't have a badge, uh-huh. and badges are sold out. So, Gamer Nation, in the next <clears throat> 12 hours, I have to book a flight. And either I'm coming home or I'm not coming home. And I'm going to Indianapolis. So if you're not going to make it and you can send me your badge, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be happy to pay for it. You, and I will assume you know, you your could, identity. You could always ghost con it, you know. Ghost con? Yeah, it's where you don't actually pay for the badge or go to the events. You just... Have your fun gaming in hotel lobbies with random strangers and Gamer Nation peoples. Yeah, that's true. You could. You just can't enter the convention center. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, kind of, a deal, kind of a deal killer. Yeah. <laughs> are there any single day badges available, or are they all gone? Uh, well, that's the thing is, I'm going to be on business until Friday afternoon in Chicago, so I was going to drive down Friday night, and Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday are both sold out. Ugh. Yeah. So and then th- this option didn't even present itself until all of a sudden my business trip moved. Mm. So it was, uh, <clears throat> it was a weird little thing, but I don't know. I really don't know. So uh, you guys want to, like, get started? Yeah, Hell sure. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. All right, how about that? Why don't we do that? Hello there. What have we here? Good news. (laughs) 
Announcements. <laughs> Announcements. This is so bizarre, like switching roles. I, I I can't quite get used to it. But hey, you hear music again. Yes, I yes, do. We do. So that's kind of cool. Uh, hey, man, featured podcast this week. You know, and for us, it's almost like we're a little proud papas. When we give birth to a brand new show, we didn't really give birth to it. We just put it on the network. We adopted we adopted an established uh, young show that needed a, that needed a, a good home. That's exactly <laughs> what it was, right? So, yes, it's a proud day when we get to welcome a new show into the fold, and today is such a day. So, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you like Dragon Age? Yeah. Hell yeah. Sure. So do you like Green Ronin's awesome Dragon Age RPG? Yes. I have only played it a few times, and I want to play it more. It's the bomb. I absolutely adored it. Well, there you go, then. So if that's the case, and the Gamer Nation is in agreement, then welcome to the new Wonders of Theatus Theatus. Podcast. Thetis. 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 I don't have no idea what the hell that is. Thetis. You, you never played Dragon Age? You I've play played Dragon I've Age. played Dragon I've played Dragon Age, but I never realized it was Thetis. Yeah, it's Thetis. Anyway, Wonders of Thetis podcast. This is your one stop shop for all things related to Dragon Age RPG, running it, playing it, making it all it can be. They've already got thirty episodes. Thirty, because that's how long it took us to add them to the network. Up for your <laughs> listening pleasure. I think it came to us when it was like an episode twelve and then, you know. Yeah. So uh, if you want to go uh, learn more about the Amazing System, really captures the IP of Dragon Age, give it a listen, you know, and uh, welcome to the network, guys. It's awesome to have you. And, of course, you can find this and many, many, many more great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. And i got to say, two of the hosts of Wonders of Thetis, uh, Kot and Lissa, are in chat right now. So, guys, because uh, I, I know they're listeners of the, of the Order 66, so, guys, major props. Like, I'm a huge fan of your show. Like listening to it to see if it didn't suck. If we're going to put it on the network, I like I, I'm, I've become addicted. It's really good. Keep it up. Nice. <laughs> and, nice. You know, we say we listen to it to make sure it doesn't suck, but in all honesty, it's just that I kept forgetting to reply. And even though Kevin Malone, who by the way is like Mister Follow Up King, because I, I swear to God, I would get an email from him like every four hours. No, maybe not like that, but you know, and I still wouldn't do it because I'm just a butthole i'm sorry yeah yeah you're just you're just a human letdown is what it really comes down to yeah 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 it is what it is it's all right <laughs> so there's that and while you're checking out the swag money podcasts that is what kids are saying these nine days right swag money yeah. swag, swag money. money swag money i don't know i'm 42 years old what the hell do i know anyway <laughs> You'll also find that d20radio.com just happens to have the best gaming blog and f- of fan-generated articles and content, where all the writers do actually know what the true identity of Supreme Leader Snoke. Yes, we do. This past week <laughs> was just not one of We're funs just... and laughs for the totally real and not made up by us August Fool's Day. Among the varied articles of tongue-in-cheek hilarity, we had a couple highlights from this past week that are sure to resonate with our listener base. Chris Hunt made us laugh and cry at the same time with his latest entry in his Holonet Uplink series, Jar Jar Binks and You, a GM's Guide. <laughs> Chris actually stats out the canon general of disaster, because as George Lucas himself once said, Jar Jar is the key to all this, along with tips of actually including Jar Jar in your games. 
But not to be outdone, Chris toys with the prominent fan theory that gives us Darth Jar Jar Hidden Lord. For those players who want to make the Clown Prince of the Dark Side a major nemesis for their games. <laughs> not to be outdone, Kim Fra uh, Fradson adds to his amazing fan-generated content of, for Pathfinder in his recurring Find the Path series by introducing Gungans <laughs> as a fully statted out race to Pathfinder. Which gives us stats for both Otola and Ankura Gungans. And he goes even so far as to give us Pathfinder stats for the Kadu as a mount with the Flatulence ability. Just, wow, man. Wow. <laughs> well done. You can find that and many more daily over at www.d20radio.com. Dude, I got to give some apologies because, like, I've been reading Kim's articles since they started. And I'm like, man, Kim is an amazing writer. It never occurred to me that Kim might actually be a man. And that is a man's name as well as a woman's name. And so last episode, I was actually extolling the virtues of Kim's work uh, without realizing that Kim was a dude. And Kim's a dude. And Kim corrected me. And Kim, I am beat red and I'm, like, so embarrassed. So, And he's like, I don't care. I get it all the time. But even still... Uh, much props and official what would you call this retcon clarification <laughs> retcon clarification kim is yes. a dude kim franson is a man and he's an awesome writer so there you go and you can find his work as phil said over at d20radio.com and while you're there you can of course find a couple buttons on the right hand side of the page one which will take you to our very active and amazing forum community the other will take you to our patreon or you can just head to patreon.com slash d20radio if you guys enjoy the content we produce, you want the show to keep going, you want the servers to keep humming, and you want to keep our blog authors paid for the work they contribute, just like we do. A couple dollars a month, that's all we ask. And of course, stay in the know by following us on the social medias. Uh, D20 Radio has a pretty humming Facebook page, just search for D20 Radio. Um, news, podcast info on a daily basis from all of our varied affiliated podcasts, um, as well as just awesome gaming talk. Um, we also have an Order 66 podcast Facebook page for podcast-exclusive content for this podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, uh, at D20 Radio. We post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. 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 If you guys are watching the show, you'll see that I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <clears throat> the, uh, the staple of a vegan diet, I might add. True. It's probably one of the reasons why I've dropped so much weight as I have. See. <laughs> anyway, you know what, guys? What's that, Dave? We have a new bit. Yes, oh, indeed. Yes, ah, yes. We are proud to announce a new regular voice to the Order sixty six podcast in the form of a familiar voice, and in the form of a new regular segment. Tonight we are debuting. The very first ed episode of Gaming Tidbits with GM Hooley. A segment where, in ten minutes or less, our own Aussie for Hire GM Hooley is going to delve into a specific topic of the FFG Star Wars system, bringing together sacred rules, dev rulings, summarizing all major points, answered questions, everything that you need to know about that tidbit to run in your game. So tonight, we start... With the gaming tidbit known as Minions. And here we go. 
Oh, hello there. I am M8AU, Human Cyborg Relations. Welcome to Gaming Tidbits with GM Hurley, a short segment discussing specific rules within the Star Wars role-playing game. You are looking for GM Hurley, are you not? This way, please. <laughs> GM Hurley. And then GM the Hurley. Ocean GM said, Hurley. Oh, look, sorry, I'll have to call you back. Uh, yes, M8? A guest for you, sir. Someone to see me? Yes, sir. Please, send them in. Very well, sir. Hello. Welcome. Please, come in. Have a seat next to the fireplace. We've never met before, have we? I'm Jim Hurley, and I'm always happy to help. Here's a nice glass of Carillion whiskey. <sighs> Fine, drop that. Now, how can I help? You'd like to know more about minions? Not those adorable yellow creatures um, from that silly movie, I hope. Of course, you mean minions from the Star Wars role-playing game. Over the last few years, with the increase in Star Wars awareness, more and more people are discovering the Star Wars role-playing game and its unique system. This is even more apparent with the announcement by Fantasy Flight Games of the Genesis system, which uses the same narrative dice mechanic as Star Wars does. The rules for minions can be found in the adversary section of all three of the core rulebooks. Minions are an exciting tool for the game master to use and the player characters to engage with, whether it be negotiating with a group of Twi'lek dancers or fighting off a horde of stormtroopers. Minions are an easy way for game masters to present interesting challenges and threats without all of the other paperwork of other more potent adversaries. Minions have a range of attributes, as does every creature, droid, or individual in the Star Wars role-playing game. The interesting thing with minions, though, is that they don't have skills like player characters, nemesis, and rivals do. Minions instead have a group skill, which increases in focus the more minions that are included in the group. For every additional minion that you have above the first, a minion's group skill increases by one. For example, if you have a stormtrooper with a ranged-heavy skill, Two Stormtroopers would have one skill rank in ranged heavy, three would have two skill ranks in ranged heavy, etc. Up to a skill rank maximum of five, which you reach when you have six individuals in that group. No matter how many more minions you have above six, their skill ranks will never increase above five. When a minion group makes a check in a skill that they have listed in their stat block, you compare the minions group attribute and their skill based on the number of minions in that group. You then take the larger number as a number of ability dice in the pool and upgrade a number of those ability dice equal to the lower number. As an example, let's take three stormtroopers in a minion group using their ranged heavy skill. The group has an agility rating of three and they have ranged heavy as a listed group skill. Firstly, their skill rank is calculated as two for having two more stormtroopers than the first. We then compare the two numbers of 3 and 2, which provides our higher number for the minion group's ability dice, and the lower number for the number of upgrades applied to those ability dice. The roll therefore would be 3 green ability dice, with 2 of those upgraded to 2 yellow proficiency dice. Basically, it works exactly the same way that a player character calculates their own skill dice pool. Conversely, if there were five stormtroopers, the pool would be one green ability dice and three yellow proficiency dice. Four ability dice from the number of minions in the group, 
as that is the highest number, and then three of those dice would be upgraded to proficiency dice due to them having an agility of three, which is the lower number. The thing to note is that if a minion group does not have a skill listed in their group skills, they must use their base attribute for that skill instead, no matter how many individuals are in that group. So shouldn't you discuss the special abilities of minions as well? Yes, yes, M8. I'm getting to that. Minions also have special rules that govern their use. Minions operate as one single entity for the purpose of initiative and for making any skill checks. They also have a group wound threshold equal to the wound threshold listed on their stat block for a single individual multiplied by the number of minions in that group. So as an example, a group of three Twi'lek dancers with a wound threshold of five would have a total group wound threshold of 15. When the group takes damage, the GM records damage inflicted, and each time the amount exceeds the wound threshold of an individual minion, the group loses one minion. Furthermore, in combat, triumphs used to perform critical hits against a minion group automatically reduce the minion's group number by one. Minions are squishy after all. The other thing to note here is that soak is only ever applied once per hit to that minion group. Using the Twi'lek dancers again, if there were three in that group, they would have a total wound threshold of 15 and a soak of three. If a player character was to damage them for eight wounds, the soak of three would only be applied once, not once per individual in the minion group. Lastly, minions can never suffer strain either intentionally, such as by taking more than one maneuver and one action per turn, or involuntarily through such things as damage. Any damage done to a minion group is applied to their wound threshold. Sir, pardon me for interrupting, but you shouldn't forget about blast damage from grenades and such, and what effects they have on minion groups. Good point, M8. This is not an easy question to answer, and was posed on the Fantasy Flight Games forums. According to the rules as written, minion groups are, as I mentioned earlier, treated as a single entity, and therefore are not subject to individual blast damage. Of course, blast damage can affect multiple minion groups if one places a grenade in the right spot. However, rules should never get on the bad side of a good story. The GM should always defer to the narrative of the story when making a ruling. If the minions are well spread out and behind cover, perhaps the blast doesn't affect all minions in that group, whereas if they were together in a close formation, it would be fair to say that the minion group could be affected by both the initial explosion and the blast damage. Don't forget though, if you choose this as a house rule, you should only apply the initial damage once, and then blast damage once, and please don't forget soak. And there you have it. Sorry, what was that? How do minions work in vehicles? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't have time right now to answer it, but perhaps we can discuss this at another time? Excellent. Thanks for passing by. Same time next week? Of course. Bye for now. Thank you, gentle being, for listening. We hope that you have enjoyed your stay. Please come again soon, won't you? You have been listening to Gaming Tidbits with GM Bully. If you have a question you would like answered, please send us a message via the most archaic of technologies email to gmbully at d20radio.com. Goodbye.
That's some pretty amazing production value right there. That was pretty good. See, I'm that, pop, <laughs> golf clapping. This is marvelous. That's a, a segment so good that it has its own outro. <laughs> the best well done. Too. Well done, Hilly. Well done. Ah, yes. You know what? And the cool thing is that that leads us right into this. It has been far too long, Gamer Nation, but we are returning to our much-loved Will Isn't That Special segment, where we take the time to really dig into the play and use of a particular specialization, how to optimize it, how to cross-spec it, and how to simply play it the best it can be played. And we'll wrap up our discussion with a competition where the hosts of the show, at least some of us, will have a (laughs) build-off, bringing our own spec builds to the table for you to vote on after the show. Uh, so tonight's specialization comes from recent forum and email requests from Artanis Nerevar, Will I Am. That's that's W H I L L. Very not, that's the most awesome handle I've heard in a long time. Um, <laughs> so Artanis Nerevar, Will I Am, and Alan Gebsky, um, who are all very fond of the Gunslinger. The Gunslinger. Perhaps, you know, perhaps perhaps they're all fond of it because of this recent movie that's actually been horribly reviewed. I don't know. I know. Uh, it means like 19 million. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't stop us. Because, you know, at least from our perspective, the gunslinger is the smuggler's martial badass. A shooter with style and speed who offers the skillful slyness of the smuggler with the ability to leave everyone in the room quite reasonably dead. Uh, often accused of being a one-trick pony. How can you bring the awesomeness of the gunslinger forward? Make them a viable and dynamic member of the party. We are going to find out. So sling your pistols low, Gamer Nation. Don your dusters and your wide-brim hats. And prepare to shoot first and ask questions later as we quick draw our way into the gunslinger tonight on your Order 66 podcast. And what makes you so special? In my book... Experience outranks everything. Great kid! Don't get cocky! I'm looking forward to completing your training. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. Well, isn't that special? Hey, guys. Huh. What's up? So, yes, tonight, the gunslinger. The gunslinger! All right, folks. This this uh, this specialization is found on page thirty of Fly Casual, the smuggling career sourcebook. And the gunslinger is a classic smuggler arch- archetype with uh, who serves as one of the nastiest ranged combatants in the game, and not because they carry a big gun. It's a specialization for speed, precision, trick shots, steely-eyed confidence, and deadly, deadly accuracy. So first, getting down to the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about playing a gunslinger. What are they about? What do they care about? And when playing one, what choices and play styles define the character in general? Well, Phil, you know, I'm glad you ask. And the only thing I can say is that let's talk about a really bad movie to start this off. The Quick Fair and enough. the Dead. You remember that? Sharon Stone? Yes. yes. I don't remember who the villain was. It might have been Gene Hackman. I don't remember. <laughs> 
I honestly don't remember, but <clears throat> it was a bad movie. Um, anyway, back to actual reality. This is a majorly combat-focused spec in terms of talents, and those talents are about speed and unerring accuracy with pistols. So this means your character is one that reacts quickly, perhaps rashly, to any perceived threat. What you might call a highly developed sense of healthy paranoia, if you will. <laughs> yes. Sure. Uh, this has probably led to some problems for the character. Maybe a gunfight that shouldn't have been a gunfight. Maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, you have uh, obligations of a bounty or criminal past might be some good thematic choices here. Huh? Maybe. Very true. And I think a lot of that plays into the other big thing I think about from from the play style of a gunslinger, and that is the gunslinger mystique. Like, this is the most fun aspect of the specialization choice for me, that mystique that goes with it. And players I know that are, are drawn to the gunslinger, that's like the number one thing they're really looking for as well. The, that, that Wild West feel, like if you like it, is something that you can really leverage with this character choice. Um, gunslingers are... Are, are feared and respected for their, their abilities usually or or perhaps maybe your character isn't and they're on a quest to gain that respect and that's why they've chosen to become a gunslinger um additionally you have some gunslinger characters maybe maybe they are feared and respected for their abilities but they don't want that fear or that respect they just want to be left alone um you know and this is a classic western archetype uh, a character basically burdened with the recognition their abilities have brought them you know it's like i just want to be a rancher you know i just want to be a farmer just leave me alone you know but you know brigands come into town and the townsfolk you know you yeah you have to take up your six iron again you know and you hate it you know that kind of thing um the point being when it comes to that gunslinger mystique it's a really huge part of the character archetype at least for me but that mystique can be something your character revels in or something they rebel against um or just something that brings them way too much attention that they don't want and whether that be from law enforcement organizations criminal organizations you know or or whomever so let's not forget the two gun joe aspect of this all yeah more than any other specialization the gunslinger begs for a character who uses two pistols at once first of all it looks really cool. Second of all, <laughs> some of your talents are specifically keyed to this fighting style. And finally, two-up in combat is how you're going to overcome the damage output limitations of ranged light weapons. Yep. Mm. So get comfortable for the, with the two-weapon fighting rules. Yeah. All right, so that kind of lays out the whole how to play a gunslinger. Let's move into the nitty-gritty and some of the mechanics here. Let's start with statistics. So based on this, what characteristics should be paramount for such a build? Where should you put the majority of your XP at character creation? Well, mm -hmm. Phil, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to give you a totally duh moment. Fire away. Agility. Duh. Duh. Yeah. You know what? You're a gunslinger. you got to go pew, 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 pew. Yeah. Damn right. All right. It's the most basic thing you're going to do. Sling guns, and it means your ability, your agility uh, ability score should be the best or tied as the best characteristic. And this is especially important for you as you're <clears throat> be a bit behind the curve uh, on the range light skill. We'll talk about that in a moment. Sure. Um, but your primary role is that of a range combatant and a pretty good one, so you need to beef up on agility. But, you know, that being said, what about secondary stuff? Yeah, well, agility is certainly your primary, but when it comes to secondary, it's going to be willpower or cunning. 
um, ideally both. Uh, willpower, you know, it comes and goes. I mean, the thing is, willpower is very important for both vigilance and coercion, which are both on your skill list, and for discipline, which you have some nifty talents for and don't have on your skill list. Um, the gunslinger is a hard dude or dudette, so a, a strong willpower actually makes a lot of sense for the character. Also, it equates to a higher strain threshold, something that will become very important, especially when we take a look at some of the talents the gunslinger has. Um, so that makes willpower a very strong secondary, but cunning is up there too. It's the other natural fit, purely from a skills perspective. Remember, you're, you're a smuggler first when you're a gunslinger. And that tricksy skill set that smugglers rely on are, are, are often cunning-based. Um, and those, those cunning skills are ones that you'll be able to get cheaply and, and beef your overall party abilities with. And where you don't have a whole lot of talent interaction with cunning, from a pure skill standpoint, it's a very strong secondary choice as a characteristic. So that takes care of characteristics. Let's look at skills. Okay. The skill list for the smuggler's gunslinger, if you don't plan correctly, can really rely... It really won't put a huge characteristic strain on your character. So you've got some tough skill choices to make. Uh, For example, starting with your career from the smuggler, you get the career skill access to coordination, deception, knowledge underworld, perception, piloting space, skullduggery, streetwise, and vigilance. Mm Mm-hmm. Now remember, as Chris said, you're a smuggler first and foremost, so the criminal underworld is your playground. You've got the ability to be a lying, skullduggerous scamp. But agility is your bread and butter, right? You're the fastest draw on the outer rim, and your mystique is all about feats of legendary quickness. So, your skill choices would do well to reflect that. Thing is, quickness in combat is more than just agility. It's also about your overly fast sense of paranoia, which is vigilance which is just as important to your character. With four free ranks, it's probably wisest to pick up piloting space and vigilance, then two from deception, perception, or skullduggery. Piloting and vigilance are obvious, the former because it's the second best use of your boss agility score, and the latter because you're a gunslinger. (laughs) As for the other two, it's going to depend upon what your party needs. If they're lacking a face, go deception. If their thievery skills needed, go skullduggery. Perception is a great catch-all to make you use your cunning if you already have the team fee for con man, though. Yeah. So, from a specialization standpoint, the, the spec additions to your career skill list move you from a smuggler into a nasty fighter with entirely new skills. You've got coercion, cool, knowledge out of rim, range light. The problem is, <clears throat> you didn't get a free rank of range light at the career level, right? And that's kind of your thing, so you'd best take it now. Right? Am I right? Or am I right? Am I right? So, <clears throat> there's a toss-up between a rank in coercion or cool. Cool totally makes sense. It's thematically appropriate. It's an initiative skill. And, well, gunslinger. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, the problem is that cool keys off presence, which you have no reason to have as a high characteristic. Mm-hmm. So for your two free ranks, you've got a free rank in range light, then make a tough call for either coercion or cool. If you have low presence, lots of ranks in cool could actually shore that up, and it you know, may be much needed. right? But if you want to play the scary gunslinger type, then coercion's also a solid choice. Okay. So characteristics, we know agility first, and then willpower cunning as a secondary. 
We've got our skill choices outlined in terms of what you need to go that kind of key off that. But all this kind of leads us also into the road of species. So what species are going to fit the model of the gunslinger best? If if Star Wars has shown us anything, is that the most memorable characters are actually those species that tend to play against type, um, like Cad Bane uh, or Hondo. Um, but it would do for you to, to ensure that you have a species choice for this kind of build with a naturally high agility. Um, and ideally, a species that also has high cunning or willpower. Um, or at the very least, a species that has twos in both cunning and willpower. Um, and that's important because there are precisely zero species currently available that offer threes in agility and either cunning or willpower without having a one thrown into the mix somewhere. Okay. Um, so Actually, I found one. Oh, you did? Okay, maybe you did. Okay, what did you find? So Gruda. Tagruda. Tagrudas have a two in agility, a two in willpower, and a three in cunning. Oh, but th- that's the thing. that I was going for strictly threes in agility. Oh, threes in agility. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, so yeah. agility, agility three, but cunning or willpower, either of those being one. Yeah, that's great. So like, like if, if, you're looking at speci- if you're looking at species that have a three in agility, and only those species, yeah. you can find some that have twos in cunning and willpower, but you will not find one that has a three in agility and a three in cunning or a three in willpower without the the remaining one being a one, right? Oh, so there's species oh, right. out there that have, that have a three in agility and a three in cunning, but a one in willpower. Or a three yeah. in agility and a three in willpower, but a one in cunning. Does that make sense? It does. Like, there, there's no species out there that's a three, three, two when it comes to uh, agility and then they either cunning or willpower. Sorry, I, I, put that, I guess I put that confusingly. Um but when you take a look at those species that are there, there's a few interesting choices. Um, there are three currently available species that offer a three in agility and twos in both cunning and willpower. Um, the first one that, that comes to my mind immediately, and I think this is an awesome gunslinger because I, I like a little um, is the Alina um, from Nexus of Power, page 98. So these little guys... You know, they, they again, they have that three in agility, two in cunning and willpower. They suffer a one in brawn, but y- who cares <laughs> for a gunslinger? Um, but they also get a free rank in coordination and a free rank of the durable talent with 95 starting XP. And considering those stats and those free ranks, that is not bad at all. Not bad at all. Another considered to be smaller race is the Doug. They're found in special modifications, uh, page 22. Now, the Doug are a species you'd expect to find as nasty gunslingers. Their one in presence stinks, especially for those who want coercion, as does their 90 starting XP. Although, actually, that doesn't affect coercion, because coercion is based off of willpower. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, one in presence, who cares? Uh, But a free rank in brawl and defensive driving talents make them highly versatile gunslingers worth noting. Very nice. Well, what about... If you turn in your hymnals and forged in battle to page 22, the uh, Cayuzo. The Cayuzo. Oi. Anyway, green-skinned little wiry dudes are not well-known as the uh, Doug and the Alina, but they're solid choices nonetheless, right? So uh, similar to the Doug, they're one in presence, so uh, who cares? Uh, Only get 90 starting XP, but, but... They get a free rank in coordination and the awesome dense musculature ability that lets them leap about like grasshoppers, great for getting into or out of trouble. Dude, 
That's like having super jump. Yeah, it is. Cuso, the Cuso are awesome. Um, now, those are the only three species currently available that have threes in agility and at least twos in cunning or power, kind of like I said. But if you are willing to suffer a one in cunning or in willpower in exchange for other cool species abilities that might make up for that, you actually have a few more options. Uh-oh. Um one of the more obvious ones that comes to mind for me and actually is a major uh, focus for Star Wars PCs um, in the Star Wars lore is the Miriallin, um, which you can find in Force and Destiny Core Rulebook, page 58. They have a three in agility, a two in willpower, but a one in cunning. But they get free ranks in both coordination and cool, and that's important. They also get 100 starting XP, uh, which makes them a totally solid choice. $100 totally bill. Solid choice. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Adding to this mix, Space Otters for the win. <laughs> Solonians from Sons of Fortune, page 91. Seriously, they are on the list because they have both threes in agility and willpower, the only species to have threes in core gunslinger characteristics. Though they suffer a one in cunning and only 80 starting free XP. But a free ranked coordination, dark vision, and a free tail attack take some of that sting off. Plus you get to be a gunslinging space otter. Right? <laughs> That's right, but what's better than that? Maybe a gunslinging four-armed gunslinger. <laughs> How about the Zexto? <clears throat> uh, I... Stay on target, page 24. Um, I mean, four-armed gunslinger is really awesome, and I'm sure someone's going to try and min-max that into four different uh, guns, but, you know, hey, GMs, <laughs> GMs beware. Uh, while they do suffer a one in willpower, they're not helped by only 85 starting XP. They bring a free rank of confidence talent to the uh, and the additional limbs, which gives them additional free maneuver per turn at no cost. So, well, you know, that might be worth it. Might be. Dude, that means you can aim every no time. Extra cost. <laughs> nothing with yes, nothing. Indeed. Yeah. So hey, you know, you never know. I mean, that's that might be worth it. Uh, gunslinger archetypes. You know what? Dudes, let's let's talk about this because we always do. We we kind of break out the the talents and and uh, and all that into a set of archetypes, or at least that thematically group its talents into meaningful discussion points. So, you know, I guess first let's talk about the tree overall. And I mean, will you guys agree with me that I that this is a devastating combat tree? Very. I mean, very <laughs> devastating. I, I I see one 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 talent that's not directly combat focused. Um, you know, confidence. It's it's buried in a tree. Twenty XP. You don't have to take it, and arguably still used at the heat of the encounter when you're making fear checks. But it's the kind of one off of the tree, and represents your steely eyed mystique. You steely eyed right. missile man. You. Going through this tree again, I was reminded of, of how combat focused this tree is. I don't, I can't think of another tree that has all but one talent focused around combat. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of it's kind of disturbing, almost a little unbalancing. Phil, as I was rereading it, <laughs> a little bit, a smidge, <laughs> just a smidge. Um, uh, but okay, so we we have that out of the way but when you take those combative talents and you take out confidence like Dave mentioned we have two strong archetypes and i think the first one to go through that we can talk about is the cobra kai dude did Why you is- do that just because they greenlit the cobra kai actually we wrote these show notes before that happened okay so 
Yeah, but yeah, so apparently there's like a what is it, is it YouTube exclusive? Like uh, Yeah, it's a YouTube uh, thing. Yeah, the Daniel yeah. and then what's his nuts? Yeah, it's like it's like a Ralph Macchio and William Zabka like That's return William for Zabka. Yeah. S- sequel series to uh, the credit kid. But anyway, the reason this archetype is called the Cobra Kai is because strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Um the chant of Daniel San's nemesis, the Cobra Kai. Uh, um, this archetype's talents are all about striking first in combat and doing so to devastating effect. So, at a high level, we got quick strike. There's two cheap ranks early on in the tree at five and ten XP. Um, each one giving you a boost die to attack foes that have yet to act in the encounter. Um, this boosts your chance to hit and your overall damage. Uh, rapid reaction. You got two ranks at five and twenty XP. Each of those let you suffer strain to add additional successes to your initiative check results, ensuring that you can act first. Um, quick draw and improve quick draw, dude. <laughs> at five, five and ten XP each, they are cheap. They are easy to get, and they ensure you can always draw your weapon. Then both incidental that very first round, which you'll then be able to apply quick strike two. Uh, um, and the last two in this uh, archetype are okay. I love this talent. Sorry about the mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, fifteen XP. This is the big brother to Quick Strike. Um, it lets you decrease the critical rating of your weapons when you are attacking foes who have yet to act in the encounter. That is disturbingly almost overpowered at 15 XP. <laughs> Phil's shaking his head, man. <laughs> Can you imagine that BBEG encounter and somehow you get to jump on the BBEG and you just get to crit because? Because. Yeah, just because. And if you take the last set of talents in the tree, Lethal Blows, might seem odd to include it here for this archetype, but I am because of its synergy with Sorry About the Mess. Uh, two ranks of Lethal Blows are available at 5 and 20 XP, each adding plus 10 to your overall crit results when you roll a quit. So between that, Sorry About the Mess, and Quick Strike, you are freaking deadly when you act first. Cobra Kai! <laughs> strike first. Strike hard. No mercy. Sir. Yes, sir. So the next archetype and remaining talents are simply about being a badass in combat with your pistols, so we're calling this one the shootest. Uh. <laughs> so this is all about just being good with handguns, even if you're not acting first. There's superb defensive and offensive capabilities at your command. So starting off with some uh, just generally useful stuff is grit. Two ranks of it at 5 and 10 XP are important to boosting your strain threshold, because as you see, you will be spending strain. Next up is toughened. A single rank at 10 XP is pretty cheap to bump your wound threshold by two. Never knock that talent. Dodge. We've said this before, as it's one of the greatest defensive talents in the game. As an incidental, suffer a strain to upgrade the difficulty of an incoming ranged attack. Yeah. Now let's get into some of the fun stuff. Column. Holy crap. <laughs> Do you have any idea how good this talent is? Yeah. For 15 XP, you can simply ignore any setback dice gained as a result of the aim maneuver. This means you single maneuver aim, ignore both setback dice to aiming at a specific location, and perform a targeted attack. Shooting guns out of hands, destroying equipment and weapons, going for a vital area. Oh, and this isn't limited to ranged light. Can you imagine this talent in Starship Combat? <laughs> this actually relates to one of our messages from the edge. Good questions later. I'd like to target the bridge. The bridge. 
<clears throat> Can I target the exhaust that... port on the side of the Death Star? I'd like to target that fuel line that I know is running underneath that deck, that, that plate over there. Uh-huh. So next up, Guns Blazing. One of two, arguably, signature talents of the tree for 20 XP. You can suffer two strain as an incidental to avoid the difficulty increase for fighting with two ranged light weapons. Dude. 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 The other signature talent of the tree, this bottom tier talent, Spitfire. Let's you target two different targets with a ranged light two-weapon attack. Now realize that the raw specifies that the two-weapon attack must be target the same foe. But the best part of this is, is that you can pick the second target after the successful check. Yes, this means you can target a cream puff minion and allocate your second hit to the nemesis with three ranks of adversary. <laughs> it's just... What were, I look at this town and I just think to myself, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Well, no, well keep in mind, they, they, they playtest this all, right? And keep in mind, it's one hit with a ranged light weapon. So it's not like you're going to have, unless unless you get into serious monkey min-maxing, uh, right. you know, tech boy territory. Right. I mean, that, but that's the only saving grace to this. And the fact that it's bottom tier. True, true. So another bottom tier talent is natural marksman. Once per session, reroll a ranged light or ranged heavy check. Say no more. Yep. Deadly Accuracy. This is an odd bottom tier talent that lets you pick a combat skill like, I don't know, range light. <laughs> and you add your ranks in that skill to the damage made with attacks using that skill. So when you pump up a ranged light to five ranks, you get plus five range damage to any range light, to one range light hit. So that's kind of what you do. You hit the cream puff minion with one shot, and then the second shot is where you layer on all the stuff like deadly accuracy. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you've got it, any of those talents that allows you to spend a destiny point to add your char- char- characteristic to damage, all kinds <laughs> of stuff on top. Anyway, and of course, yeah. dedication because dedication because yeah <laughs> because yeah just because, because. very interesting yeah, exactly, interesting right? interesting. Uh, you know, so as as we like to do, guys, we we need to also take a look at some of the best ways to aug- augment this build with some cross specialization action, right? So, mm-hmm. what makes good gunslinger plus whatever, right? So, what works well, and uh, well, you know, what are the things that are going to argument argument augment? <laughs> What's going to augment the gunslinger the best? Um, so, yeah, what do they do? They do well. They uh, they shank people and they uh, flit about unseen, right? Sort of, not really. Nasty. I mean, yeah, they kill people. That's great. So, what works well? If we talk about Edge of the Empire, smuggler, um, scoundrel's a good fit for a deceptive gunslinger who can talk his way out of a fight and doesn't want to that you know he doesn't want to start right. More ranks of quick strike help him end fights that he can't talk his way out of. Yeah. Mm. Um, what about gambler? I mean, I mean, this is this is and 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 I'll, I'll I'll tell you guys up front. I was I just ran out of time. I couldn't make my build, but my build was going to be named Huckleberry. <laughs> that would be the third Doc Holiday build you've made. 
I'm yeah. just going to throw that. Yeah, if you had made it. sure. Yeah, and I would, and I don't care. I'll do it again because that's just how good it is. But yeah, gambler, fun character. Yeah, you know what? I probably did gambler gunslinger anyway with Doc Holliday the first time. So why don't I just reprise it again? I'll go back. <laughs> why not? I mean, I just love that movie. I've done a Wyatt Earp too, so you know. Anyway, yeah, gambler. Some risky additions to the gunslinger's repertoire, obviously, but. You know, you you uh, double the amount of advantage, success, and triumphs, and the spares. He can turn any two pistols into pretty lethal hand cannons right there. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, I mean, when you roll four, when you end up with, like, three or four successes, and you're just able to dub, double that to six to eight successes, yeah. your gun starts shooting through schools. Whoa. <laughs> you know, that's Whoa. Not, that joke used to be a lot funnier. Whoa. Oh, all right. Yeah, uh, it was funny when yeah. John Candy was alive. <clears throat> all right, uh, CIA, NSA, you guys, uh, nothing meant by that. Appreciate it. It was, it was funny when John Candy was alive, but yeah, this is this. It's the wrong, you know, it's the wrong time, Phil. It's it is. It is. I, I, I regret my statement. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just the, uh, yeah, it's just the wrong time. And Dave, by the way, I went ahead and checked the show notes for episode eighty-nine, where we did well. Isn't that special on the gambler? Yeah, and you did build. Dokri Doc Haas, who was a gunslinger gambler. Yes! <laughs> just just going to throw that out there. See? You have a better memory than me. I don't remember building it, but man, it would have been hilarious if that build had wound up being exactly the same. It's, yeah. Huckleberry, yeah. but it would have been Huckleberry. 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 <laughs> uh, okay, well, sticking in Edge of the Empire, um, staying in that line... I mean, obviously, you've got that great synergy within the smuggler uh, uh, career, as Dave said, and obviously to go there. But if you want to spend a little extra XP, go outside of career. Bounty Hunter, um, you've got some good options. The Assassin is a natural fit. You've got more ranks of Quick Strike, more ranks of Lethal Bloge, and Dodge again, which means you can take another rank in that. Um, it also adds in precise aim. It can make the Gunslinger's range combat checks even more over the top than they already are. Um... The Explorer, an interesting thought uh, that actually reminds quite a bit in an odd way. Um, the Scout spec um, adds some ranks of Quick Strike, but also some classic Western-style talents. If you want Let's Ride, you know, Heightened Awareness, Stalker. Uh, there's a lot there for somebody out on, who's kind of out on the open range, living in the wilds of, 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 a, of a backwater planet, or in deep space for that matter. Um, and then, of course, you also have to consider good synergy with the hired gun specs, uh, specifically Mercenary Soldier offers some really useful talents to the gunslinger in the form of a point-blank shot and lethal blows, as well as additional ranks and confidence while adding sniper shot and true aim into the mix. Both of those very good synergies with the gunslinger from a talent perspective. So, got to give a shout-out to Darth Cuddles in the chat who also pointed out that range light covers grenades. So if you want a really weird mad bomber that bombs at midnight spec, take Gunslinger and Demolitionist. Ooh. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Hand Grenade Man. Dude. What's your superpower? I have a Hand Grenade. You'd be surprised what you could get done with a Hand Grenade. Dude, you know what? I should totally go back and redo and build Simon Phoenix. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, all right. So those are the... Um, Edge of the Empire specs. Let's move on to the Age of Rebellion specs. Um, there really aren't too many that synergize well with Gunslinger, specifically with what it's built for. Um, but there are there is one. It's, it, there are one, uh, two of them actually. That comes from the Soldier spec. 
Uh, gunslingers who become sharpshooters heap on ranks of sniper shot, true aim, lethal blows, and deadly accuracy talents. Mm. Adding in targeted blow to a build that is likely to end up with an agility of four or five at least is just icing on the cake. Word. Now, it's an odd one, but Vanguard is actually a good pairing too. More rapid reaction talents help the gunslinger go first, but adding in point blank shot, moving target, and suppressing fire turns the gunslinger into a lethal point man in any room breach operation. Absolutely. That's an excellent synergy. I love Vanguard. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite new specs in the splat books. It's a wonderful spec. Uh, moving over to Force and Destiny. The only issue with Force and Destiny specs is that any of these trees are likely to be your third spec, since you need to pick up Force-sensitive Exile or Force-sensitive Emergent to get the utility out of the Force talents. Of the two, Emergent is probably your better spec, with quick access to uncanny reactions and sense danger. Mm -hmm. But if you're willing to play the long game, <laughs> the Guardian offers the War Leader. It's a nice pairing for more leader-based gunslinger builds, due to suppressing fire, prescient shot, and prophetic aim. Uh, the Mystic's Seer is also a pretty useful spec to take for the initiative-boosting talents it provides, as well as the additional rank and dodge. But by far, the creme de la creme from the black books of the game is the Seeker's Executioner spec. Yeah, which buddy. Turns the, which <laughs> turns the Gunslinger into a force-powered, relentless killer. Layering on quick strike and lethal blows ranks, but also adding in Hunter's Quarry, Precise Aim, March for Death, and Terrifying Kill. Gunslinger's Executioners can get really scary Ooh. if you build them that way. Ugh. That sounds fun. Yeah, that's definitely a, that's definitely a combo up your alley, buddy. Yes, yes. For for true build though, I'd probably start executioner, then go into gunslinger. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Save yourself twenty XP. Right. So, what works really, really horribly? What's the bad part of this? Right. What cross spec <laughs> options should you try and avoid as poor mechanical or thematic choices? And I. You know, the Gunslinger is a, a solid spec to add combat prowess really to just about any career out there. That being said, uh, going the other way from Gunslinger to non-combat spec really waters down your Gunslinger's capabilities. Odds are, if you started as a Gunslinger, you, you're, you're really looking to make a character whose party role is ranged combat, right? Yeah. So that nixes technicians for the most part as well as most face characters. But diplomat. I'm a Gunslinger diplomat. Gunslinger diplomat, aggressive, aggressive negotiations. negotiations. <laughs> um, well, no, but the other thing too, it's not just like tech and face specs that focus on melee combat. I mean, I, I mean, they, they aren't bad per se. I mean, I think of like the Marauder specifically adds at least several more ranks of lethal blows. But even though you're you're spreading yourself across two combat disciplines, and that's never really a great way to optimize any character. Um, you're never going to get the full benefit out of your trees. Um, it, it could work a lot better with the martial artist, um, so that maybe you could wield two pistols and still make brawling checks. But um, because you can do, yeah, you, you gun fu, and you know, and you can, you can, you know, you don't your your brawl doesn't need to be a hand; it can be a kick or a uh, uh, a, a headbutt, um, or narratively the, the butt of your pistols as well. Um, but honestly, anything that relies on a melee weapon is also, I think, best left out of the mix for a gunslinger. And gunslingers, as we've talked about, they make good pilots. It's a nice use, uh, secondary use for that high agility score you've got. But most pilot-based specs out there 
don't add anything to the Gunslinger's focus talents. It's another tree that's kind of branching you off and, and diluting your focus. But by far the worst specs are any that rely on characteristics you've sacrificed to get that high agility, cunning, and willpower. So if you kept your intellect at two or lower, avoid technician, medical, and scholarly specs. If you tanked your presence, you'll want to avoid just about every social-based spec. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, all right, guys. We're going to put now our advice into practice with our much-loved build-off. So uh, the hosts, at least two of us, <laughs> um, are going to go head-to-head with our own gunslinger builds, which you guys can vote for after the show on the D20 Radio forums and on the Order 66 pod- podcast Facebook page. Uh, the rules are simple. Each of us creates a starting character using the normal character creation rules, and then we advance that character with 100 earned XP. Um, so we got some. We got a couple cool builds. Phil, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Who, um, who talks first? I usually go first, but I'm happy to switch up. Okay, well, um, well, I'll go first then. Right on. Um, so I have a, I have an odd build that is one of those weird things. It's very min maxi that I decided to optimize around a species. Um, my my build is Riv Roxy, who's a, a Shistavanin gunslinger scout. Um, are you familiar with the Shistavanin? Oh yeah, they're like oh, the, wolf, yeah. the wolf men, basically. Okay. Um, I was so happy inspired- when I finally got into the game. Yes, me too. I, I think it was actually it was the same book that had the um, uh, uh, God, what book were they in? Uh, oh, Forged in Battle. Um, yes, yes, Forged in Battle. Forged in Battle. The same with the Vanguard. The, the, yeah, the precise same book that brought us the Vanguard. There's an awesome picture of like a Shistavan and Vanguard. Okay, um, so I think I was little, like when I first started thinking about what I wanted to build, I, I didn't start with the species. I I was inspired by a certain character type. I was inspired by films like The Magnificent Seven and A Fistful of Dollars. I was gravitating towards this this mountain man or survivalist-style gunslinger, someone who's like this really creepy dude who lives in exile, like primarily out in the wild, but this hasn't dulled his skills with a pistol, you know, quite the opposite. Um, and, you know, someone who saunters into town just to trade, but he ends up fighting off a gang of rustlers or cattle baron mercenaries, and in reality, he just wants to be left the hell alone, right? The, uh, the the reluctant hero, right? Um, right. And so I started was like, okay, well, how can I how can I get to that? And researching that ability actually led me to this amazing combo in terms of species that I, as I said, I am basing this character concept off of the Shistavanin. So these creepy looking wolfmen are known for their ferocity, their animalistic tendencies, and their extreme isolationism. Um, although they are still heavily employed by the Empire as bounty hunters and hired muscle. That is can. Shistavanin have a great agility and a unique species ability. Hunter's instincts. This lets Shistavanin survival in place of both cool and vigilant making initiative checks. Right? So this was perfect for my character concept. And it really let me kind of shore up my characteristic uh, bloat, so to speak. So, beginning character creation, we have Riv Roxy. He's a former mercenary who worked for the end, but he gained a criminal background when he was angered by his when he he, he uh, was angered by his imperial handler, and he shot the guy along with the rest of the imperials in the room. So he's been living for the past few years in the wilds of the Outer Rim on very varied worlds, making a living through uh, through being a survivalist. But he keeps kind of you know getting drawn back into the fray. <laughs> so the Shistavanin are found, as we said. Age of Rebellions, Forged in Battle, page 24. He gets 80 starting XP, and that, that sucks, but 
I like a challenge. Um, <laughs> he gets twos in brawn and cunning, threes in agility and intellect, interestingly, and then ones in willpower and presence. I don't care about, about the willpower uh, because he's got his Hunter's Instinct ability, so I will not be taking a rank in either Vigilance or Cool. Um, also, Shustavon can get a free rank in Survival. I'll be taking Survival. <laughs> um, obligation, uh, considering his backstory, either Criminal or Bounty really works. Wanted list. Um, I'll max it out for the 10 XP bonus, which I'll need. That gives me 90 starting XP. I'm going to drop 30 right away to bring Cunning two to a three i'll need it for survival and hence initiative uh that leaves me with 60 xp i'm going to start in gunslinger i'm going to take free ranks in coordination uh deception perception piloting space uh from smuggler and then free ranks in knowledge outer rim because he's got a three so why not and range light um next i'm also going to free rank in survival uh, next, I'm going to cross-spec immediately into the Explorer Scout spec for 30 XP. That brings me down to 30 starting XP. Not only will this add athletics, medicine, and piloting planetary to my skill list, but also survival is now properly on my skill list. Um, and that spec also offers ranks, as Phil mentioned earlier, in Stalker and Quick Strike. Um, now, with my remaining 30 XP for character creation, I'm going to double up ranks in both survival and range light. Uh, for 20 XP, and then spend the last 10 I've got on a rank of Quick Strike and Quick Draw from the Gunslinger Tree. So at the end of character creation, Riv has a two yellow, one green pool in range light and survival, which he can always use for initiative. And then with, with that great initiative, he'll draw his gun super fast and add a boost die to those early attacks. Uh, um, and the character advancement with his 100 earned XP, Riv will really dip mildly into Scout, focus on Gunslinger, and beef up his skills. 30 XP XP survival up to rank three. That gives him three yellow pools in both combat, initiative, and tracking capabilities. Boom. In Gunslinger, I'm going to drop 10 XP for improved quick draw to let him bring two pistols to bear in a flash. Uh, five XP for rapid reaction and 10 XP for an another quick strike. Then 15 XP for column and 15 XP for sorry about the mess. Um, his last 15 XP is going to go into scout. Five XP for stalker and then 10 XP for a second rank in Quick Strike. Um, when it's all said and done, uh, Riv pops three yellow pools off for combat, tracking, and initiative, with the ability to bump his initiative even further with rapid reaction. And when he acts first, he's going to get multiple boost dice that he can make with both guns, thanks to improved Quick Draw, and reduces his crit rating when doing so. Riv is the ghost in the rim. It will survive the barren waste and mosey into town with death and fear in his wake. So that's my really min-max species build off just upon it. <laughs> solid. Very solid. So I kind of went in a slightly different direction. Yeah, you did. You you had fun, man. This is great. I had a lot of fun. So my gunslinger build is Jal Janos, Holovid gunslinger and performer. <laughs> oh, I just already... Jal was an accomplished pistolier in the Outer Rim, performing trick shots for a traveling carnival. His precise accuracy, mixed in with ex his exotic looks, got him noticed by a Holovid scout, and was offered the role in a biopic, How the Rim Was Won, a retelling of the gritty frontier nature of the Outer Rim colonization. Jal was given the role of a sector ranger, desperately trying to protect the colonists from roving bands of pirates, raiders, and other nefarious villains. The executives loved Val because he uh, loved Jal because he could make appearances and pull off the shots his character did in the Holovids. He drew huge crowds to these appearances. 
As the Empire started to crack down in the Outer Rim, and as more and more non-humans became the targets of Imperial racism, Jal was considered, had, has considered taking up the reins of justice his character in the show lived by and striking out as a solo fighter, a lone sector ranger, as it were, fighting against the Empire's tyranny. Dude, so this is like a mixture of Buffalo Bill and, like, and Three Amigos. <laughs> or the Lone Ranger. Or the Lone Ranger, yes, yes. Oh, the Lone Ranger, yes. But, dude, I keep thinking the three amigos, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that's solid. That That's absolutely a solid. You know, if you want to take a more comedic bent with the character, definitely the three amigos. Yeah. All right, so beginning character creation. I chose Togruta as my starting race. I like the base three cunning for my eventual dip in a performer, plus they're exotic yet humanoid, enough for their appeal in traveling carnivals, even in Imperial space. So, I figure, given his background, the best obligation for him would be fame. As a Hollywood star, Jal's picture got around. It helps out in some situations, but it can be a real hindrance in many others. He's kind of well-known. Um, for the bonus I took, I took an extra 2,500 credits. I'll need it for gear. Now, Gunslinger, I took ranks in cool, coordination, perception, streetwise, vigilance, and range light. Another rank in Perception, thanks to the racial bonus. And I bought another rank of Range Light for 10 XP. Now, characteristics. I'm buying Agility up to 4. That's his shtick. So we'll just take it to there. And that's all I bought up. Uh, for Talents, I picked up Quick Draw, Improved Quick Draw, and Rapid Reaction. Um, he's a gunfighter, and a two-gun fighter. And he needs Talents to be quick on the draw and on the trigger. Mm. Now, for Equipment... Mm -hmm. There's nothing flashier than a marksman who can hit at long range. So I started him off with two X-30 Lancers, the only pistol that can reach out to long range without modifications or talents. God, dude. <laughs> They're a thousand credits apiece, so that's why I needed the money. With the remaining cash, I'm buying Performer's Attire for shows and Padded Armor for combat. So, done with the starting build. Character advancement. I'm going to pick up Performer right off the bat. He started as a gunfighter in traveling shows, and as he started to, as he got transitioned over to Hollywood Star, he eventually picked up a lot of performance tricks. Um, I'm picking up Distracted Behavior, Dodge, and Jump Up. Hopping back over to Gunslinger, I'm picking up two more ranks of Quick Strike, and Sorry About the Mess. And buying Range Light up to rank 3. That's my 100 XP. So... What I'm left with is I'm left with a character who's got uh, three yellows and a green in range light, one yellow and a green in vigilance, uh, you know, high high ranks for coordination and, uh, and and stealth. But he's also decent with skullduggery too. Now, as far as talents go, he ends up with distracting behavior, one rank of dodge, two ranks of quick strike, rapid reaction. Sorry about the mess. He's just solidly great at pulling off shots. The only thing he needs really is he's missing that called shot talent. So that's that's what he needed for that 100 XP. Um, he'll probably <laughs> be picking up that next, but I wasn't able to fit it in with the build. I kind of like the idea of a Roy Rogers or a Clint Eastwood type of person who ends up using his talents that he learned while acting to strike out against the Empire. I simply don't see Jal sitting on the sidelines while the Empire takes down the people's freedoms in the name of order. That and they're very likely have canceled his show anyway, so, you know, he's got time. That's hilarious, man. 
I love it. <laughs> I had fun with this. I had fun with this, that's for sure. That's very, very good. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, all right, guys. Well, these builds are going to be up, as we said, on the D20 Radio forums, as well as on the Facebook page. You guys can vote on which one you prefer. We'd love to hear it. Final thoughts on the Gunslinger, guys. Uh, Calling an audible. I mean, I mean, I'm listening to these builds. I'm, I'm thinking about everything we talked about. It re- really is possibly one of the most devastating combat specs in the game. And I, I, yeah. I don't, don't think that's an overstatement. No, it's not. I actually ended up with a uh, Bounty Hunter Gunslinger in one of my games, and it got devastating. Ugly. Yeah, it, it got devastating. So, I mean, if you are GMing this archetype, um, you know, they, they've often been accused of being a one-trick pony, and, and in a sense, kind of are. Um, I mean, at least at least it makes it easy for a player to, to play that way. So if you are playing that way and you don't want to be pushed into that mold, really start expanding out your skill list. Maybe go with some interesting cross-specialization action, kind of like we discussed. And if you're a game master, really start thinking about your encounters. <laughs> uh, and really putting some skillful options and some social options in your game because this is a character from a combat perspective that can really hog the limelight. And that's kind of what they're designed to do. So, good thoughts. Good thoughts. Well. Shall we move on? That being said, I suppose we can start with this. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Oh, welcome to Messages from the Edge, our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions of how can people get us these questions, Dave? How can they do it? How? How? The easiest way to do it is to go to our forums, post it up there, or go to our Facebook page and post it up there. So... Whichever way you decide to, go to www.d20radio.com slash forums, register. Go to the Order 66 podcast boards, and you'll find messages from the Edge thread. You can post it there. You can obviously post a question on our Facebook page, Order 66 podcast, of course, on on the Facebooks. Or you can email us, GM Chris, GM Dave, GM Phil, all at d20radio.com. And if you're brave enough, like one listener was, and he will be featured today... You can leave it on the voicemail line. And that is the D20 Radio Hotline at 262 D20 Radio or 262-320-7234. Ah, yes. So, we start our questions tonight with a good one. This one came in on the forums from Let's Be Bros, who has a great question about running games. And he says here, hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. I got good advice from you guys last time, so I thought I would try my luck again. Short version. How would you handle timed encounters? Long version. Last session, my players rigged the station to explode by having the power generator overload. Did he really mean to use a meter there? Last session, my players rigged the station to explode by having a power generator overload. I believe that's Totraic. Tetrometer. Not positive. <laughs> now, my players usually prefer not to blow up along with the stuff they blow up 
And so <laughs> they now have to escape the station before being engulfed in a ball of fire. How would you handle the escape mechanics-wise? That's pretty easy. How do I know, through the use of fantastic narrative dice, whether or not they make it in time? Thank you. This is awesome. Cool. Cool. So the kind of awesome things that more GMs should include in their sessions. Uh, timed encounters not only keep your players on track and keep encounter creep from happening, but they add kind of a tension and an awesome compla- uh, complication options to an encounter. Um, and some of our forum posters pointed out uh, the AOR GM kit module Dead Water uh, has just such a concept, although it's for the entire session sort of tracked using encounters as the timer. Um, but it, you know, it, it's a great resource to call upon for ideas, especially from a complication standpoint. But as for putting the timer mechanic into a single encounter, this is something that I personally have done in varied ways with varied house rules over the years. And I do have a preferred method I've been including in a lot of my modules lately, and I'd love to share it with you. <laughs> because I feel it, it sort of best, best showcases the narrative dice, and I've received near universal positive feedback from players when I use this method. Um, and this method is the round-by-round narrative skill challenge. Um, Narrative-based means that the entire timing of the countdown is handled narratively, using rounds as an absolute timer uh, while you call on varied checks from the players to escape the location after the countdown starts. Um, Their success and failure determines how far they get and how fast as a team, and advantage threat are used to complicate that. Let me me explain. Dude, Um, we need to... I'm sorry, we need to rewrite the last of the Black Nova Gambit to do this. Dude, yeah, yeah, we, we, we certainly can. I mean, depending on which one you're, you're running. Um, I mean, and that, that, that's the thing. There's, there's different ways to do it. Um, I like this for a single group because it's very narrative. But let's say the team has like 10 minutes to escape, okay, or whatever time limit you want to put on it. I don't care. They make narrative checks to get from where they are to their ship or minimum safe distance, et cetera, in that time period. And you can do this in a couple ways, okay? The first is success and failure based. This is actually my preferred method most of the time. The team must accrue a set number of total successes across all their skill checks before failing a set number of checks. For example, they have to accrue 15 net successes before failing three checks. Um, That is one option. The other is actually doing it in a round-based fashion. In this method, which actually really does ratchet up tension, the PCs each make a check every single round, like in combat, and crew a total number of successes, you know, 15 or whatever, before the end of round X. Maybe that's round six, five, etc. Although, from experience, I will tell six rounds. Six rounds is a long amount of game time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep in mind. I mean, Phil, you're, I mean, what most combats that run an hour are like, what, four or five rounds, maybe? Something like, well, something like that. Depends on the number of combatants, but yeah. Um, five or six rounds, yeah. that's a long time. Most combats don't tend to take that long. Yeah. So, so so keep that in mind. The idea is that for whether you're doing this on this, this before a certain number of failed checks or just round by round, each time the PC must contribute in guiding themselves or the team with a check of their choice each round. This could be athletics, coordination, or resilience, maybe to beat feet, to avoid a collapsing station, or to simply run falls out without stopping uh could be knowledge education or mechanics to call upon blueprint knowledge and find the fastest way out 
um, you know, maybe even a, a, a piloting um, space if they're aboard a huge starship. Um, it could be computers to find a terminal and do the same. You could also use vigilance, cool, or others. The point is, encourage the players to be creative. Depending on how hard you want this challenge to be, set base difficulties for the handful of skills that make the most sense, say, two purple or one purple, one red. For creative skill choices that they make that are outside the mold, simply increase upgrade the difficulty by one. And do not allow the PCs to use the same skill twice in a row. Um, if they net the total number of successes before failing X number of checks or before getting to the end of round X, they make it out safely. Um, otherwise, they fail. With this method that I'm, I'm, I am soapboxing about, um, advantage can be spent to give boost eyes to other players, uh, narratively assisting with their triumphs can be used to give upgrades or do other interesting narrative things like, you know, remotely prep a ship for launch, which could be represented by actually reducing the total successes needed for the encounter by like two. Um, threat can be spent to add set in a similar way and despair can be used to narratively add two or more needed successes to the overall encounter threshold. This could represent getting cut off off or dealing with a nasty complication maybe maybe they hear another survivor trapped and screaming for help and they've got to stop and get them out right um additionally you know you, you can use the party's narrative preparation and successes prior to this skill challenge to influence the overall success threshold needed get out on time perhaps pad things by giving them more rounds to meet their total or able to suffer an extra failed check um, if they're extremely well prepared, um, all these things can kind of factor into it. So, anyway, that's my soapbox. This is the method I pr really prefer to use for time and encounter the rules, but it really showcases the narrative capability of the dice. And I'm going to shut up, uh, Dave, Phil. Do you guys have anything to add to this for your own methods for time encounters? No, I, 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 yeah, it's sort of an adaptation of like the old skill challenge rules from uh, from Saga. You know, get yeah. a certain number of successes for successes before a certain number of failures. Um, I really like the way you divvy it up. Are you like, and, and that, I've done that before, where it's like, okay, you need to get a certain number of successes before you fail a certain number of checks. And it tends to work pretty well. And, and in some cases, you can spend triumphs and despairs to kind of give an extra cushion or take away a cushion from the checks as well. You know, yeah. the, despair, if you go ahead. Sorry, no. The one thing you didn't mention was to actually set a meta timer you know because you've done this in the past i've seen you do it i've run a game that had you do that that would set you say 70 minutes real time and if you don't finish the encounter in 70 minutes or that module that little piece of module in 70 minutes real time then you just fail you know that's the that's yeah. it that's part of the black nova gambit yeah, yeah that's that's what the black nova gambit's about right that's all of it I mean, so that, that's another option as well, and that can really ratchet up the, plunge, the tension. Um, the thing about doing that in Black Nova Gambit is every player knows what they're walking into when they do yeah. that. We explain it to them ahead of time. It's right. like you have a real-world time limit. Um, You've got to be careful surprising your group with this, um, unless, unless you know your group well, and they're going to really, really dig into it and, and, and use it. So, uh, sure. so those, are, those, are, those are our suggestions. Hopefully, they help. Um, thank you for the... the, the uh, question let's be bros let's be bros thank you again yes and uh, lastly we have a call in question tonight from our very own GM Scott he Scott. Uh, yes indeed he's getting into the nitty gritty of 
Capital Ship Combat. And uh, let's see what he has to say. Hey guys, this is GM Scott here. Uh, for messages from the edge, we had a situation the other night involving capital ship combat, something that is not very common in our games up until now. The team was going up against an interdictor cruiser, <laughs> which, with the gravity well projectors, was not letting them escape into hyperspace. So they did what they probably should have done and let their capital ship use concentrated barrage to try to take out one of the gravity wells, kind of like happened at the end of Season 3 on Rebels. Well, then I was in a quandary. I wasn't sure how to handle that. I know how much system strain, and I know how much hull trauma the whole ship has, but wasn't sure about one of the single wells. So what I ended up doing was basically knocking the hull trauma into about one-third. So saying if they could take off one-third of the hull trauma on a single point on the ship, I would consider that destroyed. That was the best thing I could think of in the moment when they decided that's what they needed to do. It made total sense, and they did the smart thing. But I'm not sure if I did the smart thing. They ended up, after a few rounds, knocking out one of the well projectors, and, you know, generators, and uh, allowed them to escape into hyperspace and, and win their adventure. But I wasn't sure how you'd handle that. I wasn't sure if I'd missed any rules or or if you'd house-ruled anything else like that. The books talk about how to attack specific points on large ships. In fact, they even list what those are. They don't list how powerful they are, how strong they are, and how much it takes to take them out. So I wondered how you would handle this. That's all. Thanks. And I promise I won't listen to the answer because I don't listen. Sucks in advance. See you guys. Nice. Yep. Well, honestly, Scott, you did what any good GM should. You made a call, your group seemed fine with it, and you went with it. But in the future, is this the route you should use? You are correct, and the books do detail out how to target vehicle and ship components, but not what it takes to take them offline. The only concrete way this is mentioned in the books is via critical hit, specifically a component hit result where the system of the attacker's choice is knocked offline for a full round or a major system failure, but the system is offline until the crit is repaired. But these are obviously the results of a crit. The rules also detail that you can call a shot by aiming. Concentrator barrage is thematically fun and can deal a ton of damage, but aiming is something you should have attackers do in the future if you want to accomplish this. So you call a shot via aiming, and you can disable a system, short or long, via a crit. But there are no rules for calling a crit. So how can you uh, equitable house? How can you uh, effectively house rule this? Our suggestion is a simple one: you can aim to target a system like gravity well generators, with the appropriately added setback dice for targeting a specific location with a name. And you deal enough damage to break past the ship's armor, then you can do a component hit on that system. It won't function through the end of the next round, but the damage you deal does go against the ship's hull trauma. You're sacrificing damage for effect. Oh, I'm sorry, it doesn't go against the hull trauma. Ultimately, you could say you deal X damage after aiming to a target component, say one quarter of the hull trauma, then you've caused a major system failure for that component. Just some ways to do it. So, I mean, it sounds to me like he made a perfectly viable choice. Yeah. Know? No, he, he made a really good choice, and, 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 and in the moment, that was, that, was a great, that was a great option. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, there's great options, and then there's things that aren't so great, like ending the show. Mm. 
<laughs> we have our next show planned, gosh, in two weeks' time on the 20th, uh, Sunday, August uh, 20th. And Phil, you won't be with us because of Gen Con, right? That's right. So it's going to be myself, maybe Dave, we'll see, but at the very least, it'll be myself and a guest host. Uh, so be sure to join us for that. We want you guys to become a member of the Gamer Nation. Visit us at www.d20radio.com slash forum. Register. Post your mind. C- call us. Leave us a liner. Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Give a call to the D20 Radio hotline. That's 262-D20-RADIO or 262-320-7234. And uh, gosh, golly gee, email us. GM Chris, GM Phil, GM Dave at d20radio.com. We want to know your, your questions. We want to know what show topics you want us to discuss. We want your quandaries. We want your concerns. We want your questions. So get them to us because we love you. Here, 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 here. Yeah. So thank you all for tuning in tonight. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice rolling. Rolling. May the dice be with you. You guys got time for post? I think so. All right. A few minutes, yeah. All right. You've been listening to the Order 66 podcast brought to you by Ethan Kinsey, GM Scott, Jeremy Bensley, Bert Ingley, Joshua Taylor, and William Thiel. This podcast and related websites are not affiliated with Fantasy Flight Games, 20th Century Fox, Walt Disney Corporation, or Lucasfilm Limited, and its content is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All original content is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and Gamer Nation LFC. Yes, indeed, 65,000 people showed up to hear this because of the family, the Packer family scrimmage that happened in Green Bay yesterday. (laughs) Basically, they scrimmage each other and they open up Lambeau and, of course, everybody shows up. Of course. That town is something else. Ah, yes, I'll be up there in like four weeks. I might have to parlay. So are you, Phil? So, Dave, you might be going to Gen Con after, like, shortly. But, Phil, man, what are, you, what are your Gen Con plans? Are you excited? I'm stoked, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Fantasy Flight Games has uh, is bringing me in to run games for them. So I'm getting to run Age of Rebellion. Uh, it's actually the middle chapter from Friends Like These is what I'm running. Nice. Uh, which is a fun chapter. And ironically enough, I playtested it, so I'm pretty familiar with the material. Uh, but they're also having me run a the Genesis module that they're bringing from the Runebound setting. <laughs> so I imagine they're going to have me do three of one and three of the other, or who knows, whatever. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. You bastard. 
I know, man. It would be. I, I wish there was a beta for this thing, so that way you could bring one home, or you could like, know, send right? this one. But I guess I, I, I'm hoping at the very least they'll allow me to like take the module home with me, um, because you know also that as soon as this hits the wire, um, as soon as the first game of it is run, the the forums are going to explode with, "Oh my God! Here's how this works! Here's how magic works! Here's here's everything!" Wow, you know. Yeah. I'm just gonna go nuts about it because that. that Playtesting it—that's the most. That's that's like the hardest thing to sit on—is like seeing all these people like come up with these wild theories in the forums, and you just have to sit there going, "I can't say anything." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know exactly how that works. I can't say a damn thing. Yeah. <sighs> but um, so there's that. Um, I'm also gonna go to the, the that 30 years of Star Wars gaming panel because that just looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I don't know. We'll see what else I'm what else I'm able to get to. Uh, there's a lot of folks who are going there who I'm going to be excited to see. So uh, a bunch of folks down from down your way, like uh, like Darren and a few of his friends. Yeah. Um, Bradshaw's going, so it's going to be good to hang with him. Um, obviously, I'm going to see Keith Capel. We're going to be running games together. Actually, I'm rooming with him too, so that should be cool. Ah. Yeah. See Sam. That'll be fun. Who's did they did they put you guys three to a room or just two? I think it's four to room. Oh wow! Who's your other roommates? Do you know? No, yeah, that's that's that that's typical. Four yeah. to a room. That's typical. Yeah. Um, I imagine that you know Keith said that there are a couple of folks he knows, and he's like, throw me in with them and drag in Phil with me. So we we uh, hopefully we'll have that fun. <laughs> I'm your times Huckleberry. <laughs> that's, that's over. It's done. I'm your Huckleberry. That's it. It's over. Stop. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> of course it is, Dave. Oh, episode titles. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, yes i'm so i'm so excited for you man I'm, I'm envious you know i i ran out of funds in vacation time this year i would be going um but you know dude gen con 50 it's kind of a kind of a big deal yeah it is it really is we'll see i'll find out tomorrow by <clears throat> i have to make my air travel plans by like two o'clock so i'll know for sure at that point Hopefully, dude. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It'd be nice to see some. It'll be good to see you. That's for damn sure. Yeah, it would be cool. But, yeah, you know what? I got to go watch Game of Thrones. What have you folks been up to? No. Work. And (laughs) rather boring. You know, ever since we came back from Vegas. And uh, that was, uh, you know. Vegas was a was a, a venture all in and of itself, but um, mm-hmm. ever since we got back, it's just been it's been nonstop work, you know. Not even and, and we've got like these two week little period of time where Taylor's got to finish all her summer school stuff, and then we got to get her packed. We had to do all her admissions and pay and blah 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 blah, and she leaves on Thursday to go back. You know, I got to take her back to Alabama. So, man, it's something. Just gotcha. uh, you know, it's a Ten day, ten day curse of of uh, all day every day. Just go work and then go take care of Taylor's stuff and go back to work, <laughs> and sure. maybe get a few hours sleep in there. Right. But we'll be back and then, dude. You know, in three weeks we gotta we gotta come up with the uh, Gamer Nation Con uh, Kickstarter. Don't we usually run that in September? Yeah, we got a few things to. Chris just get in. Oh. Well, I'm here. Um, my internet's uh, Skype is really kicking out for me. I think the storm that you 
yeah. my way. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, um, actually, uh, the, the, the other con director who's not on the call right now <laughs> has actually been uh, finalizing all the to-dos this week um, and getting things ready. We've got a few more things to figure out and decide on before the Kickstarter launches. So, But we'll keep you guys well informed, and, and uh, it's awesome. Obviously, we already have the date announced, um, and obviously, you guys can go to the page uh, to see all the more relevant and interesting it's good. Are you coming back out to Gamer Nation Con again this sp- next spring, Phil? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you even asking me that? I mean, Genesis is supposed to be out by then. Well, Genesis is supposed to be out by Christmas. Yeah. So, you know. But we all we all know how long the FFG boat takes sometimes. <laughs> did, you see the, did you see the X-Wing card someone made for the boat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like... Forward one, left one, or right, uh, slow left or slow right are all like, you know, stressful maneuvers, and it can only reset by just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> this hilarious. It was funny because it's true. <laughs> Dude, that's funny. I bet you they're going to surprise us all, and they're going to have like, um, oh, what is it? What's a uh, uh, Ghost of Dathomir at the con? Oh. That would be something. Yeah. That would be awesome because folks have been waiting for that since what quarter one. Well, I mean, you never know. They yeah. they they could have something air shipped, air dropped to them. You know, limited quantities. So uh, yeah, just spend your. Uh... Do you get a uh, Do you get a vendor badge or is it a regular attendee badge? I believe it's a vendor badge, dude. That means you can get in early. So I'm gonna try to do. I'm gonna try to, like at least spend like the first half hour on nine a.m. to nine thirty, just. Running through the running through the dealer's room, picking up the stuff that I really want to get. Oh, wow, man! Taylor's going to graduate, and maybe next year I can finally make it back to Gen Con. Cool. You know, that would be cool. that would be something. I mean, I got to admit, the fact that they're kind of that FFG's kind of paying my own way for this is the only reason I'm able to go this year. Right. All I have to do is come up with airfare, and they, you know, as long as I run 24 hours of games for them, so six four-hour sessions, they'll pay for everything else pretty much. Yeah. So that that what you're just you're just running two sessions a day, one Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, uh, two sessions Thursday, one session Friday because I need the afternoon open, or is it Saturday? Can't remember which one. Friday or Saturday? I'm only doing one session because the the uh, the uh, 30, 30 years of Star Wars gaming starts at five, and the afternoon shift is, shift is three to seven. Ah. So I had to, I had to, so it's like two Friday, one Saturday, or one, I'm sorry, two Thursday, one Saturday or Friday, and two the other day, and then one, then one, the one shift on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that pretty much blows up the whole Sunday, though. It does, it does, but, you know, what can you do? Hey, you know what? They're paying you away. It's good stuff. Damn right. It's the hard, Damn right. the hard work, man. And it, You're going to be tired. You're going to be so tired. Well... To be fair, I, I actually get more. I actually run more games for you guys down at Gamer Nation Con. So, yeah, and I've seen how tired you get at Gamer. <laughs> yeah, but I'll get to, at least at least, I, at least I won't be up till like I won't be up till like midnight running games. I'll be like walking around Indianapolis, hanging out with folks. So I got that doing stuff and having fun. Basically, and making True. it over to the K. Truth. Truth. That would Very be cool. man. That's gonna be fun. I hope so. We're gonna cross our fingers and hope, but I I doubt it. But I'd love to see it, man. Hope no. we can hope you can make it. Maybe next year. 
Yeah, maybe. Who knows? All right, guys. Well, listen, I'm about to turn into a pumpkin. I've got a very early call. I've got a 4.30 a.m. call. Very good. Yeah, you and your international. Yeah. Nah. So uh, I'm going to bounce off, but uh, good night, Gamer Nation. And good luck.